chat to you guys and to bring an interesting word today. But yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've been, well, looked at the introduction now, but so I've been uh, in Shofar, Shofar for about 15 years now, in George for about 12 years, so it's just an amazing family, probably because we don't know anything else. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's really good. And uh, some of you might have been here for my wife's sermon. She's a lot better than me at, at doing the sermon thing. She did the health sermon a few weeks ago. Nancy, she's the pretty one, the really beautiful one. Yeah, so I hope, hope a lot of you were blessed by her. So, uh, yeah, today I'm bringing an interesting word. The, the theme for this, for this month is uh, the contra- controversial statements that Jesus made which is quite hectic because, you know, when a, when a statement is controversial, it usually steps on a lot of people's toes because otherwise it wouldn't be labeled as controversial. But we need to look at the controversial statements that Jesus made. Otherwise, we, we're just jumping around, around the Bible randomly. We need to look at the, at the things that make us feel uncomfortable sometimes. So for me, bringing a word like that, it's quite, it's quite difficult because I know some of you will be offended by it, but that's not my heart. My heart is not for people to be offended, and luckily it's not my word. It's what Jesus said. <laughs> so if we get offended by what Jesus said, then we really need to check our hearts. Um, and there'll be lots of opportunities for that. You know, if something really steps on your toes today and you feel offended, then, then really the, you can come to, come to us for prayer We've got a whole team of people that are willing to, to minister uh, to people in our church that, that go through difficult things. So really, if this is a difficult word for you today, which I think it will be for most people, then please come and chat to us afterwards. Okay. All right. So let's just quickly pray. Thank you, Jesus, for, for just your word. Thank you that the words that you spoke out of your mouth, Jesus, is just the rock that we can stand on. And Lord, we just, we just pray that every person today will be blessed and you will come and minister in each person's heart today. And whatever words come out of my mouth will be blessed and that it'll fall on good soil. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to start. It's actually a, a, a few little statements that are, that are a little bit controversial, but it all goes along the theme of family. So family... A picture that God painted about family. What does a godly family look like? And that's very controversial because in today's society, we have changed a lot of what Jesus said about family, or we've, we've made it our own, done it our own way instead of how Jesus wanted it. So I'm going to paint a picture, or let Jesus paint a picture of what a family should look like. But if you don't fall into that category or you feel that you've missed the mark on what Jesus said, just know that Jesus can take back anything that the devil has stolen. Okay, so as soon as you hear something that is really attacking you with these words, just know the devil doesn't have a right over that and Jesus can take back what the devil has stolen. Okay, so we're going to read... Luke 14, verse 26 to 27. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, 
he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's quite rough, rough words. We have to hate our family members to be his disciple. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. Now, the interesting thing here is that this is actually a text that, that's been spoken about a lot. And for you, it, most of you might sit here and know exactly what it means, so you're not worried about it. But some people have read this word and they've gone, oh, no, what is, what is the Bible saying here? What is Jesus saying here? This can't be. Uh, but that's if we, if we read things out of context and we don't know what the real meaning is in translation. So... To know what it is in, in context, we have, to, we have to look at the whole story. What Jesus did was he gave a truth statement. He's a good teacher, so he gave a truth statement, which is this. You have to hate your father and your mother and all of that. And, and then he gave a parable. And always the parable follows on that. And the parable, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's about a man that built a house. And he, couldn't, he didn't count the cost of building the house. So because he didn't count the cost, he couldn't finish the project, and everyone ridiculed him for not finishing the project. That was the parable. So what does it mean in context? It means that there's a cost that we have to count. We have to count the cost to follow Jesus. There is there's a little bit of something that we have to be able to lay down to follow Jesus, to be his disciple. So, and then if you if you go and look at the at the Greek translation, which is uh, of the word hate, which they use there, which is maseo, which is hatred, to detest, to persecute, and then to love less, which is what they, what they meant here. So if you look at that, that verse again, to hate your mother and your father, it actually means to love less than God. So there were many other places in the Bible where they, where they used this Maseo, which to love less, which in the Old Testament, um, I know we're talking about family, so don't take this as something you could do. But in the Old Testament, there were some communities that had polygamous relationships. And they were, they were saying, okay, the person had a loved wife and a hated wife, which didn't mean that they actually hated the second wife. It just means that they loved the second wife less. Okay, so that's the word, that's the way it was translated. But they... They had to, to be direct in the English Standard Version. They had to use the word hate. Otherwise, it would have been a wrong translation. So if you read some of the, like the uh, NLT and those in the NIV, you will read that it actually says to love less rather than to hate. But if you're reading the English Standard Version, you might see the hate one there. But to get back to family, what does this mean for a picture of family? What Jesus is actually saying here is he's saying that we need to count the cost to follow him, which means that if it means that we need to lay down our families in some circumstances, he should still be above. So there's a hierarchy. It's God, our spouses, our kids, our friends, our work. You know, there's a hierarchy, but the hierarchy is God at the top. And this is what this is about. God is at the top. So in, in South Africa, we might not have problems with this. You know, if you, if you come out of a non-Christian home and you, you become a Christian and you go home and you say, hey, mom, I became a Christian, then they'll probably be, okay, why did you do that, you know? But uh, when we go to Sri Lanka, 
and we go to a village that's completely Buddhist there, and there's one person that comes to Christ, he'll go home, he'll tell his parents or his family that he's come to Christ, and they'll literally kick him out of the village. They will write him off. He will not get an inheritance. But this is what this speaks about. That person has to make a choice. Is he going to stick with his family, or is he going to stick with God? And the cost is high. Okay. So the first part of the picture that Jesus wants to paint here is that God is above your family. And if we can get that right, then all the other steps in family, the rest of the picture, it's almost like the outline that's been drawn there. There's an outline. The picture isn't finished yet, but there's an outline. That's the outline. God is painting a picture of a family, but he's at the top. Amen. Okay. And we can back up that verse to know that that was its true meaning by just reading Matthew 19, verse 19, which says, Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We all know that. But if God said in the one verse, hate your, uh, hate your family, and in the other one, you should love them, you should honor them, then, you know, we don't, we don't serve a confused God. He's not confused. He wouldn't say one thing in one sentence and one thing in another sentence completely contradicting itself. He wants us to love our families, but he wants us to choose him first. Okay. So then, controversial statement number two, we're going to read about family. So this is Matthew 19, verse 4 to 5. He answered them, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said to them, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Okay, so a lot of people say Jesus never spoke about homosexual relationships, but there he just did. He said a marriage is between a man and a woman, male and female. He even put gender to it. He was quoting out of Genesis, but he said it. So, marriage is between a man and a woman, male and female. And yes, marriages do happen in courts and in, at home affairs and that. But a marriage that God ordains is between a man and a woman. Amen. Okay. All right. And the, the next part to that is a man shall leave his mother. And you could probably say... Uh, a uh, woman shall leave his, uh, her father. Um, I've got an interesting story about this that I realized when I was, when I was uh, leaving school, going to university. I met Nancy there, and I took her back to, back to Namibia to visit my family for the first time. And my, my mom and I had this thing. I grew up in a single-parent household with my mom uh, for the last five years of my life because my parents got divorced, but... Every night after supper, I would go, we would go and sit on the couch and watch TV at our house. And my mom would sit next to me, she would lift up my shirt and she would scratch my back. It's the best thing, till I was betricked. And now I'm there bringing Nancy home to meet the parents. And we're sitting there and we're having our supper and after supper we go and sit at the TV and I'm sitting on the couch and my mom sits next to me, she lifts my shirt and she starts scratching my back and I just remember Nancy's eyes going like this, what, <laughs> what is happening here? And I just realized, I mean, it's just by grace that I realized that 
uh, I need to separate something here. Something needs to change. I can't stick to this. You know, imagine I'm, I'm almost 49. If I was to go home and my mom would scratch my back. So I had to get Nancy to start doing it, which is great. <laughs> and now my kids are there, so now I'm getting lots of back scratches. But yeah, there's, a, there's another example. We, had, uh, we have friends that got married, uh, and they were just young, uh, newly married one year, one year into the marriage, and they were living very close to her parents, and they were eating supper there three, t- three d- times a week, you know. They were there all the time, and I, I, we didn't really realize, like, why, why were they doing this? But anyway... What, uh, what happened was, the one day, she, the wife, she got a, a flat tire in town. And uh, she phoned a dad, and a dad came and fixed the tire. And that evening, they got home, and, and her husband asked her, so, so uh, how was your day? So she said, yeah, it was, it was fine. I just had a flat tire, and I phoned Papa to come and fix it. And, uh, and just how distraught he was that he, as a husband didn't fix the problem that his wife had, and that separation hadn't taken place. And they actually had to get some counseling about that. And, uh, so it's so important to separate. Okay, so, so the next part of the picture, the first part of the picture, God is the head of the family. Second part of the picture, marriage is between a man and a woman, male and female, and monogamous, okay? And a man shall leave, his, shall leave his mother, okay, and father, and wife, yeah, yeah, that one, okay, it can also go too far, you know, sometimes people take that too far, and I've, I, I had someone the other day talk to me about that, how people literally sometimes only speak to their parents like once a year on a birthday for five minutes, and they just have no relationship with them, and there's no honoring relationship with their family, so it can also go too far, that one. Okay, so honor your mother and your father. Be there for them. Okay, so the next statement we're going to look at is Matthew 19, verse 9. It says, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Okay, so this is a tough one because a lot of people have been through divorces and, you know, might not have been because of adultery. And it's because... As society, we have changed the, the reasons for divorce to be okay. You know, when it's like, yeah, I didn't know him anymore. He wasn't, he was manipulating me or he was doing this or doing that. And, you know, there are all these reasons that we make up. Okay, but I'm not saying these statements. Jesus said this, okay? But all I can say about it is with divorce, it's a God-ordained marriage. God brought two people together and made them one flesh. So wherever that thing separates, it's because there was an open door somewhere and the devil came in and he caused division. God didn't cause division. He didn't make a mistake to put the marriage together. It doesn't happen. It was just the devil came in and he brought division. Okay. So if you're sitting here and that really offends you because you've, you've been divorced or you've, you, you feel really troubled by that, Again, I say to you, God can take back what the enemy has stolen. Okay, doesn't mean you're going to get your wife or your husband back, but he can restore in your heart and he can change things for the better for his glory. Okay, 
So that's the next part in the picture there, that Jesus is drawing about family. The next controversial statement, we're going to go to Matthew 12, verse 25. Now, this doesn't sound very controversial, but it just finishes off the picture. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And uh, Paul, in 2 Corinthians 6, he followed this up by saying, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So this is very important because we tend to go into either love relationships or very close friendship relationships with people that are unbelievers. Now, I'm not saying don't have friends that are unbelievers. That's, it's important that we do. Otherwise, we can't minister to people. But it's that close group of people that you let into your heart, whether it's into, in a relationship, whether it's in a marriage, whether it's um, that person that you have a braai and a whatever with every, every Friday night. It's important that we yoke ourselves with believers. That just finishes up that family structure that Jesus wants to, wants to paint. So we're just going to, let's just recap on what Jesus says about, about family, the picture that he's drawn there. Loving God more than everything. That's the top of the hierarchy. Okay? Marriage is between a man and a woman. We shall leave from under our mother's wing and step into marriage. Divorce is not an option. Okay? And we should pursue relationship with other Christian people. Okay. So now the important thing here is that we, that we realize that if we fall short in any of these areas, then Jesus can redeem that. He can change that. Amen. Do you agree? Okay. So I'm going to now move on to just explaining to you where the devil is stolen in our society and where we, where we can actually see that there's, that there's a big change happening as we speak because of, because of what the devil's doing. Okay, so these are statistics in South Africa. There's a bit old statistics, but we'll carry it on just now. The green line at the top, that is the amount of single families that we have in South Africa. This is South African statistics. So it was in 2014, it was 62.2% of families in South Africa were single-parent households, and 37.8% were couple families. So the devil's come to break the family structure that Jesus drew on that picture. Okay, you can go to the next one. So, you, so with the previous one, uh, you could see that there was, it was on 38% in 2014. Now, this is from 2019. About one-fifth of all children in South Africa do not live with their parents. So you know that, that one said 38%. Now it says 32.7%. That's just five years later. 32.7% live with their, both their parents. 42% live with just their mother. 21%, 21.3% live with neither parents. And 4% live with the father only. So look how that's just broken apart. And there's an interesting statistic. I didn't list it here, but it was, it's, uh, they, they say that what's happening at the moment is that roughly 80% of children born now in South Africa, are born into single-parent households. Okay, let's go to the next statistic there. 
So this is marriages. Marriages are becoming less. Okay, so this was done in 2020, which is COVID, which we obviously know um, that would be fewer marriages because we just couldn't get together. Um, more babies, but fewer marriages. So yes, from 2011 till 2020, it pretty much halved the amount of marriages that we had. But the interesting thing, if you go and look at that statistic, after 2020, it hasn't really picked up. It sort of plateaued out. So it's still carrying on with that trend of fewer marriages. Fewer marriages and a lot more children. So a lot more kids are born into single-parent households, out of wedlock, or after divorces. You can go to the next slide. So this is a very difficult chart, but if you just look at the red numbers and you count them all together, it's roughly 300 million children in the millions are living in single-parent households all over the world. Okay, roughly 300 million that they know of. That is a lot. That is, what's that, five times South Africa's population living in single-parent households. Okay, now we can go to the next slide. Now, this is the interesting thing. Now, again, if you're a single parent of a child, this doesn't mean you are doomed because Jesus can draw a line in the sand and he can take back what the enemy has stolen. And if you're a product of a single parent household, same thing. Jesus can take back what the enemy has stolen. So single parent children are three times more likely. This is an American statistic. This isn't a South African statistic. Um, three times more likely to be in poverty. 10 times more likely to drop out of school, two times more likely to end up in jail, six times more likely not to get a college or university education, and they perform worse at school statistically, and they have a higher chance of depression. I mean, that is just what the devil wants to do. He's taking that statistic of roughly 80% of children in South Africa being born today and saying, this is what's going to happen to you. We don't want you to to get anywhere in life. But we know that Jesus can change that around. But it, it's in us to change that. So you can just go to the next slide. There's victory, restoration, and redemption in Jesus. He can take back what the enemy has stolen. But we need to sit here. I'm a product of a divorced family. Parents got divorced. And I grew up in a single-parent household on my own for my high school career with my mom, and God changed it all around. And the amazing thing is that today, everyone in my family is saved. There's a good relationship between us and our parents, all three sons and our parents. We have a good relationship. We have forgiveness for what has happened. There's complete forgiveness for what has happened. And, I mean, there was a, a, it's changed everything in our lives because we've taken, my brothers and I have taken a stick and drawn a line in the sand in the spirit and said, we're not going to take this for our families. We're not going to get divorced. We're not going to do this to our children. We're going to take the inheritance of Jesus Christ, not of our parents in this situation. And we're going to hand that to our kids and say, from here, our generations are going to look different. We're going to do it according to the picture that God intended for us. That picture that he drew. 
Okay. So what I want us to do now, I want the band to come up. We're going to pray for this because I think a lot of people might feel, sure, my heart is going a bit faster now. Because what was said here might be really rough. And it might be sort of straight to the point, you know. But that's what, that's what Jesus said. And he has this for us. He has the inheritance of a beautiful family for us. And however that might look, like it might not look exactly like, like I've painted it here. But for the generations to come, this is what we want to see happen. Jesus wants to change this for the generations to come.